Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Polita Clark, and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. World leaders are about to descend on New York for yet another UN climate summit, where, as usual, one country in particular will be in the spotlight, China. China is famous for its suffocating smog and for being the world's largest carbon emitter. It's taken big steps to tackle its pollution problems in recent years, but is anything really working? With me to discuss this is our environment correspondent, Leslie Hook, and our deputy Beijing bureau chief, Lucy Hornby. Leslie, can you give us an overview of China's approach to climate change over the past 10 years or so and how it's evolved? Well, China's emissions have been rising over the last decade, but there was a real turning point about roughly five years ago, sort of 2012-ish, when air pollution and the health impacts of air pollution really became a top priority for policymakers. And linked to that, of course, to improve air pollution is also reducing CO2 emissions. So we have seen the issue of climate change really rise up the policy agenda, even while China's total CO2 emissions, along with its energy consumption, have been rising. Right. And what did China commit to under the terms of the Paris Agreement? The Paris Climate Agreement is a pledge to limit global warming to well below 2C, and it's up to each country to set its own targets. China's pledge is that it will peak emissions by 2030, which, put another way, means that it could keep increasing emissions between now and 2030. And there's an increasing amount of pressure on China now to revisit that and perhaps agree to something a little bit more ambitious. Right. And so are we expecting Beijing to make any serious or eye-catching announcements on Monday? Well, the UN Secretary General has said that only countries that have a really bold new climate pledge can take the stage. And China is on the list and it will be on the stage. However, I'm hearing that their announcement may be a little vague. We just don't know yet what they will commit to. Xi Jinping is not going to be representing China on Monday either. So while most other countries will have their heads of state speaking at the climate summit, I believe he will not be there and he will not be in New York until later in the week. And what does that indicate to you? I think that while there is certainly a lot of focus and a lot of hopes for China's commitments, that it could be they don't, in fact, announce a very serious new target for CO2 emissions. Maybe there's a new figure around their renewable energy installations or energy intensity, but I'm not expecting that we will have a firm new commitment when it comes to CO2 emissions from China on Monday. Right. Well, Lucy, you've lived in Beijing for many years. What action has China taken on the ground to reduce pollution? And have you seen this make a noticeable difference? Absolutely. China has really structured its response to climate as an industrial restructuring designed to reduce pollution on the North China Plain, and specifically in Beijing, which is where the leadership lives and where the foreign correspondents live. It's made a huge difference. People can go outside, you get sunsets, you get stars at night, you get warm sunshine. It's really made a big difference. Now, to a certain extent, that's come at the cost of the South, where you've seen a rise in smogginess, and of the far West in Xinjiang, where a lot of the manufacturing plants have been moved. 
Right. You recently wrote about one area in particular that's become a test ground for Beijing's ambitions to make the economy greener. What did you find when you went there? Well, so Xi Jinping has this idea of making a green eco-city in Baiyangtian, which is the wetlands south of Beijing. He wants to call it Xiong'an. And so they're clearing out a lot of small local industry to make way for his vision of this green and clean eco-city. What I saw specifically, I went to a town that was focused on processing duck feathers to make down. So your pillow, your mattress, your coat probably all came from this one little town. It's a very polluting process, and they've been forced to shut all of their boilers, all of their cleaners and steamers, and they're moving them all to an industrial park another 300 miles further south with bigger plants that are supposed to give out less emissions But more importantly, they're just moving the whole thing lock, stock and barrel away from the zone where it would pollute Beijing. And you can really see, I mean, the town has been shut down and there doesn't seem to be any mercy on the part of the local officials in terms of preserving that industry in that location. Right. But in that case, are the emissions not simply being moved rather than reduced? There's a bit of both, to be totally honest, but they also are reduced to the degree that these local little tiny backyard plants often use very polluting coal powder or whatever's cheaper. They tend to have tiny boilers that just spew stuff into the air with no scrubbers, no filters, you know, no pollution mitigation. When they move to this industrial park, of course, they will still be polluting. But the idea is that they will be plugged into the national electricity grid. Those of them that are running steamers and boilers will be running state-of-the-art steamers and boilers that include scrubbers, filters, and higher quality coal. So in theory, it's a net decrease in the amount of dirty stuff that gets pumped into the air. But it will still be coal. Is there much of a move to switch away from coal to even gas, let alone wind and solar? There is a strong move to switch to gas again in this area around Beijing with the idea of keeping the air cleaner in that area. But overall, China is very aware that coal is their strategic fuel. They are very dependent on coal. They get it domestically. So if there were any strategic threat to China, they couldn't have their coal supply cut off, unlike oil, for instance. And so there's a commitment to keeping coal. Now they're trying to reduce the amount of coal in their mix, but they will never give it up altogether. And just in general, China often boasts that it has world-leading environmental regulations. But when it comes to enforcement, how stringent are these regulations? Well, that's been a perpetual frustration. So China's regulations are, in fact, on the books, very strict for many different categories. But the problem is that bureaucrats making the lists find it hard to enforce that when it comes to big state-owned enterprises or locally powerful bosses. Now, that calculation has changed on the North China Plain. There's now a political imperative to make Beijing's air cleaner. So they're running it like an old-fashioned communist political campaign. You know, they show up, they storm the factories, they tear out the boilers, they shut it down, they jail people who protest. It's an effective way. It may not be efficient in the long term, but there's a much bigger emphasis on enforcement, especially, as I said, in the North China Plain. Now, the flip side to that is that they are being more tolerant of pollution that's cropping up elsewhere. And Leslie, the reason that we focus so much on China is because it emits as much carbon dioxide as the US and the EU combined. So it obviously has a crucial role to play in the global effort to halt climate change. At the same time, it's also become a giant in green energy and electric cars, battery production. But 
Have we seen any sign that those efforts have made any difference to its annual emissions? Well, the latest data suggests that China's emissions will rise again this year. The first half of 2019 is looking like emissions could be about 4% higher than they were same time last year. That follows increases, of course, in 2017 and 2018. The thing that could help reduce China's emissions is the questions around the slowing economy and the trade war with the U.S. An economic contraction in China would certainly mean slower growth in emissions or maybe even falling emissions. In terms of renewable energy, we did see some rather surprising numbers out of China last year. While they are the biggest installer of wind turbines and solar panels in the world, in 2018, new installations actually fell because of policy changes and subsidy cuts to new energy. So there's a lot of mixed messages in there. It looks like China's CO2 emissions will keep rising this year. Yeah, yeah. A Chinese official who was previewing the summit in New York was suggesting that U.S. trade tensions might make it more difficult for Beijing to implement more stringent climate policies. Is that a concern, do you think? I think the deteriorating relationship between China and the U.S. has undermined a lot of the faith and goodwill that was part of the Paris Climate Agreement. Obama and Xi Jinping made a joint announcement ahead of the agreement. And the fact that China and the U.S. were on the same page when it came to climate change was one of the really important things that made that climate agreement possible. So given the sort of low levels of trust and what feels like a general fraying of global multilateralism and spirit of cooperation, I think that does pose a real challenge for the world's ability to reduce emissions. And just finally to both of you, as you were suggesting earlier, Leslie, the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres issued quite a blunt warning to countries ahead of this summit saying they needed to come with concrete plans to lower emissions in line with a net zero emissions target. Central to that is the need to stop building new coal-fired power plants, which is something that China has so far not managed to do. I just wonder if I could ask either of you, when do you think we will see a time when China might stop building new coal-fired power plants? I don't think China is going to give up on coal because they need it for their energy security. They could try to mitigate the pollution from coal, but I don't see a time in the next 30, 40 years where China will not be using coal. Do you agree, Leslie? Well, we do see that there is a bit of overcapacity in China's power production right now. So some climate analysts I speak to point to that as a sort of hopeful statistic that suggests that the Chinese grid is well supplied. So they hope that new coal build will fall. The other issue that raises a lot of eyebrows at the climate talks and at the climate summit is China's investment in new coal overseas with the Belt and Road Initiative. And so while they've talked a bit about greening the Belt and Road, that is also a major contributor to global emissions, those power stations that are being built in the Belt and Road. Very interesting. Well, thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Lucy. And thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our episodes on the Edward Snowden memoirs, the breakdown of talks between the US and the Afghan Taliban, or the prospects for air taxis in our cities, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.